From Raleigh, North Carolina, welcome to the CMC Show, the show that gives GIS a voice. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm Eric. And this is episode 31 of the CMC Show. It has been quite a while since we've recorded an episode. Yes, it has. And it it may sound like to the listeners that we are not in the same room right now. Because we're not. Because we are not. And why is that, Eric? That's because Tom has a new position at a local firm called Precision Hawk. That's right. Yep. Yep. And so. my role's changed a little bit here at KCI as well. Um, I'm still with the company. and uh, But uh, due to my skill set being kind of unique, and um, they've moved me up higher up within the company uh, to work within um, the operations division and the utilities division, um, basically working with the resource management group for water-related projects, and then also with the utilities group for subsurface projects, interfacing with survey division, and then also doing some work uh, related to um, utilities data capture with Duke Power and some other parts of the company. So, yeah, it's really fun. Things are going well. Yeah. What are some of the, uh, like the projects they have you on? Like, are you still using the same sorts of technologies and stuff? Yeah, it's actually expanding out a little bit. Um, the first thing that I'm going to be doing is traveling up to Maryland, um, to the home base, the mothership, (laughs) and we're going to be going through some, um, sort of tactical options. Right now I'm working on a, a program for our invoicing to help things go along a little smoother. So I'm writing some code in C sharp and, um, working in SQL Server, so that's fun. And then we're going to look at different ways to capture poll data in a more automated fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, to save time for our field crews. And we're also looking at doing some work in automating watershed delineation, um, maybe using some machine learning to do that kind of project. And then we're also working on a project to locate all the different uh, projects the company has um, over time accumulated and where our uh, sort of mapping our areas of influence and um, helping project managers see which projects are occurring close to where their new projects or current projects are spatially. So they're pretty neat. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember the, the last one you were talking about, uh, you were kind of working on, um, I think, did I build the database for that as we were, as I was leaving? Is that that one? Yeah. Yeah. You were helping me with that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. How about um, ArcGIS Online? I know that that was a big thing that, I think we had a whole episode on that a little while back because you and I were kind of AGOL gurus for a while there. We did yeah, a couple yeah. presentations about it and a lot, we got a lot of the company using it. And um, is that still kind of going on or is somebody else doing that now? It's still going. Um, the, the best way to characterize it is we're in a period of trying to figure out how to expand it um, within the utilities group and the water resources group. Um, bridge is still the bridge group. Our structures group is still using it to map their current work and kind of track it over time. But within um, the utilities group and also survey, they want to be able to, to take some more data out in the field, um, especially with like the utility coordination discussion has, has kind of cropped back up. So not only doing um, data capture for um, what the guys are marking in the field for underground utilities. They also want to take that data and take it to the next level. Once they find the utilities, um, mark where the new utilities might be moved to. And so we're trying to figure out how to take the data all the way through that process. So okay. pretty, neat. Yeah, pretty neat. Cool. Well, it's nice that it's kind of progressing forward at least, you know? Yeah, it's exciting. I think, yeah. um, you know, the role change for me suits me well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm still doing the business development side of things too. A little bit of oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, not so much. Um, not so much. Uh, like uh, it's more focused. Um, mm-hmm. We we've uh, won the state contract for GIS, so it'll be more focused in that area. Um, and um, so yeah, the company still wants me to continue that kind of marketing stuff. But like like I was saying, it's not strictly out of one group anymore. I see. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, hmm. it's an interesting side of. Yeah, so you're you're the sole GIS guy now at the Raleigh KCI office. Yeah, for the time being, mm. it's uh, it's a little lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably a lot, a lot less uh, conversations going on, unless it's a uh, political in nature with some of the water resources folks. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a a lot of discussion um, that happens in the morning. Yep, around the uh, around the run soda can <laughs> uh-huh, yeah for all you uh npr listeners and cnn watchers <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. good stuff so how about how about your role over there so my role is is all it's it's kind of hard to, t- to to explain i i guess i mean i i i kind of came in um uh, originally i had interviewed for one position um and that position didn't really uh wasn't going to suit me so then they decided to put me in a different role. And then the role that I was in, um, my would be boss ended up leaving. Um, I started on a Monday, he left that past Friday. And I found out that he was leaving on like a Wednesday or Thursday. And it was all real fast. I basically gave KCI one day's notice. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was (laughs) that was wild. And then I had to sort of catch up with my would have been boss, um, who was actually in Nova Scotia to sort of catch up on, uh, what I would be doing, um, and how I would be working with the product that they have me on. So, um, a little more about, that? yeah, so a little bit more about that. Um, so precision Hawk is a, um, remote sensing software company. Um, but most people know it as a drone company. Well, it started as a drone company and they also acquired, um, a product called Terra server, Terra server, started in like the late nineties um, and Microsoft kind of picked it up and it is basically a way to uh, look at uh, satellite imagery from around the world. Uh, pretty high resolution stuff. Um, we partner with a company called digital globe and that's how we sell a lot of our imagery. Um, and uh, you know, we're looking to expand that as well, but uh, I'm essentially the product owner. I'm the only person that is solely on uh the product that I'm working on right now. Um, I have a few little support avenues um, and I've got a, a product manager and um, a development team in India and a sales execution coordinator that knows some of the prior history because she's been here about a year. Um, but it's, it's different. I mean, Precision Hawk is a startup. Um, we've, we're founded in 2013 and um, we've only had TerraServer under our belt um, as a, you know, a division really since 2015. Um, and so I'm really, um, you know, one of the first people sort of touching the, the platform and essentially selling imagery um, with, you know, added capabilities to it as well. Uh, we also do a lot of partnering with satellite companies uh, to acquire uh, new imagery, depending on what people are looking for. So it's, it's very different. Um, I, I barely open ArcMap anymore. I do a lot of sales and I'm doing BD now, um, you know, and I, I have... Uh, you know, a little bit of travel coming up. I'll be going to the Esri user conference. Yeah, I know so, you like that idea because you're someone who likes to travel. I love to travel. <laughs> um, so that'll be nice. I'll see some old friends there from some of my previous jobs. 
and uh, some of the partners that I'm looking to meet up with, maybe some prospective clients and whatnot. But it's yeah, it's very different. Um, but I really like it. And, um, you know, we're going to look to kind of grow the team and <clears throat> get some more support in here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what's going on with me. Um, like I said, it's, it's a lot less technical than anything I've really ever done before, but it's nice. It's, it's just a little different taste of, you know, the other side of the industry, I suppose, for, as far as GIS is concerned. So I'm familiar with Digital Globe a little bit. How does that partnership work with y'all? Uh, so we have a, a basically a licensing agreement and like a, a like a partnership uh, ag- agreement and contract with them, and they have an, uh, an open API that we basically pull in. It's like a Maps API that we pull into TerraServer, and then TerraServer essentially um, pushes out that imagery um, as you go in and search for it. You just go to TerraServer.com, and then you can search for imagery. And if you want to be a member, you get a little more added functionality like uh, an image comparison tool and uh, the ability to upload a shape file of an area. So it'll take you right there. And they kind of scale, yeah, scale that and look at that and, um, you know, choose from a a list of imagery uh, ranging from as far back as 2007 is what they have in-house. And then everything else um, is pretty much up until could be days ago. the best resolution they have right now is 30 centimeters um, going all the way to like about a meter. If you want something worse than a meter, um, we have other places to go. Um, but most people that come to TerraServer are looking for a few one-offs here and there, high resolution imagery. Um, but we are looking to renegotiate uh, with Digital Globe and uh, try to be able to sell some of our imagery to some external uses. We had um, a, a recent um, company come to us out in Hollywood, California, that wanted to make a movie, and uh, at the time, we can't sell to them, but we would like to be able to sell to them so we can use our imagery, um, well, Digital Loves imagery in their movie. Um, so we're working through that right now, um, and we're, we're doing some security enhancements to the site, so um, it's it's evolving and growing, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've, uh, I work on the sales side of the company, um, so, because I got in the door here because I knew Charles Rudder. Apparently, he's he's been bringing a lot of people in the door, and he's come to a lot of our socials, um, our CMC540 socials that we haven't had in a while. Yeah, that we Charles need to do, is great. That we need to do again. But he's what got me here, and he's on the other side of doing, like, algorithms and whatnot. But um, I sit on the side where they ring the bell. So, it's very <laughs> interesting. I've, I've actually gotten to ring it. We, we got, we've, we've actually... Um, uh, scaled up on on the bell itself since I've been here. So we now have a bell that is mounted to the wall that you ring with a a, a rope. So <laughs> it's very loud. <laughs> so yep, yep. All right. So that's really that's really great. So what? That's funny. So <laughs> everything's so really mentioned- great for you. <laughs> yeah. So you just mentioned a little bit more about tasking. Um, maybe you could. F- you know, uh, discuss a little bit more about what that entails because I've heard a little bit about that just in conversation we've had, but it'd be really neat to kind of like discuss that in some more detail. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Like if you think about it, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of satellites up there in orbit right now. And each one has a few different characteristics. Uh, certain ones are mainly made for like the ag industry. Other ones are made for, um, you know, like the real high resolution stuff where you need to like look at a particular site, maybe look at some storm damage, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, depending on the company, depending on the sensor that's on the satellite, um, you can use a satellite. Um, basically, when we say task, so every satellite's orbiting the globe in whatever orbit they're in, 
Um, some satellites are up there in what we call constellations, which basically means there's a lot, there's a lot of like micro satellites. So they're um, sort of, uh, I don't have the exact dimensions in front of me, but they're, um, they're basically like the size of a box, like a large box, uh, essentially. And they're up there in orbit, which is much smaller than, you know, a regular uh, satellite. Uh, yeah, most I satellites... I don't even know what a regular satellite size is, you know? So, so that's a small, it. a small regular satellite probably weighs about 500 pounds. Okay. So that's pretty substantial. Um, these other, these smaller satellites would be up under 500 pounds. Interesting. So when you yeah. say a, a micro satellite, it's something that maybe a couple guys could lift up and, and walk around with. One guy could lift up and walk around with. No kidding. And you can retask them, like point them in different places. <laughs> so or? they, so, so they, they work in what's called a constellation. So basically we launch, or not we, but our vendors launch, you know, say 80, 80 microsatellites that sort of move around the earth um, and work in unison shooting similar areas to get different angles. And because there's so many of them and they move in um, a lower orbit, they can image the globe at a quicker rate. So essentially um, the higher a satellite is in orbit, the longer it takes to go around the earth, believe it or not, which to me makes no sense. But an a, a satellite actually moves quicker across the earth's surface when it's in lower orbit. Um, so now lower orbit doesn't necessarily mean higher resolution imagery, even though it's closer to the ground. Um, but these, these constellation satellites are in lower orbit generally. And when they orbit the earth, they are able to image the earth um, really on a daily basis or at least every 48 hours. Now, is that imagery going to be cloud free? Um, is it going to be, uh, you know, clear? Is it going to be, you know, uh, you know, during, during the daytime and usable, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. So that stuff, you know, there's a little QC when you get the data down from a satellite, but suffice it to say that there's imagery out there that's available depending on the resolution you're looking for, um, that, you don't have to send a, a satellite over, which is what tasking essentially means. Tasking is like, okay, the satellite is over here and it's scheduled to orbit this part of the globe at this particular time. Well, we need this area covered right now on like, you know, tomorrow, like Saturday morning. And I need it over, you know, Arizona. And so, you know, well, we couldn't actually get a satellite over Arizona tomorrow morning at this point. Cause it requires like, I think it's 48, 24 to 48 hours of, advanced notice in order to send that signal to the satellite and get it to move over there. But that's essentially what it does. It'll change its position to go aim at that area and collect that area, um, depending on the size of the area and, um, you know, when they want it. And then how much does that cost to move a satellite over there? It depends. Um, most companies charge per square kilometer. That's one thing I've learned working in the satellite industry is everything is in metric. <laughs> so I'm learning metric really well. Um, like one foot pixels are the, same, are the same thing as 30 centimeter pixels. So did not know that, but I do now. <laughs> um, so, so there's, um, it depends you're, you're on the You're a geographer, not a mathematician. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I am getting better at the conversion rate. It's really funny. But anyway, so, uh, we, we would do say, um, ask that they're going to, they're going to charge per square kilometer and they're also going to charge like a minimum area. So you can't just say, Hey, I want my house captured. They're going to be like, okay, well that's going to cost you at least this much money because your house is like, you know, teeny tiny compared to like the large scale stuff. So most of them are about a hundred square kilometer minimum. So pretty large. Um, but you know, we're using working in like 
um, hundreds of thousands of hectares usually is, is the way that as we look at it. So, so do you guys, um, so once, let's say you have a retask, I'm kind of just thinking about what the process would be. So let's say you get like a retask. Do you guys at your shop uh, take the result of that satellite acquisition and then process it for the customer into like GIS data layers or do you just deliver the imagery? Like what kind of uh, steps go into it? Yeah, so um, it really depends on what the customer is looking for. If the customer is looking for us to do that post-analysis data gathering or whatever they need, we will do it. Um, but then there's other companies that actually will do it, like they'll collect and analyze. And then there's people that just want the imagery for whatever purpose they want it for. They, they may want the company that's collecting it to orthorectify it or something so they can measure off of it or use it as like a background or run some sort of like uh, their own algorithms on it. Um, it really just depends on what, what the customer is looking for. So, but we can do it. Um, now, the majority of the algorithms that we have that are built in-house are, are specifically really geared towards drones, but there's some overlap that you can run on the imagery after it's been collected um, that will work on satellite imagery. But overall, you're going off of the sensor that was on the satellite as it collected the data. So that's what really matters in the end um, because the data is only as good as it was collected. So, in, you know, in the end, that, that, that's what you're working with. You know, you've heard crap in, crap out. It's totally true. Interesting. So what kind of uh, format do you deliver in? Like if you deliver an image to somebody, do you deliver it in like an ERDS Imagine file? Do you deliver TIFF files? Like what kind of things, how does it go out the door? So off of TerraServer, we deliver in three formats. We deliver in a GeoTIFF, which is obviously a TIFF that can be used with, that has some sort of georeferencing with it. You drop it into a GIS and it'll be usually in WGS84, um, or we have a PDF, or we have a JPEG. Those are the three options. Okay. So and the, the, P, the GeoTIFF is the most expensive, it's usually like an extra five bucks per image. Um, and it's the largest out of the three files too. Gotcha. So what's the most interesting place you've talked to so far? Oh gosh. Um, maybe, um, maybe South Africa, just because of, we basically had like four different time zones on the phone and just what they wanted to do and the different accents and just the way that they kind of go about their business and, and, and how they wanted to use our data. Um, I mean, I've, I'll, we get a lot, a lot of um, re requests from uh, South America in particular, like Argentina and Chile. Um, you know, why, can you talk about why they want data? Like what do they want? Yeah. Yeah. They want to monitor like, uh, there's a massive area in Southern Argentina, which is like their corn belt area. So you got to think about though, you know, Argentina is in the Southern hemisphere. So everything's backwards. Um, you know, the further South you go, um, you're actually getting away from the equator. So it's getting to be more like that temperate climate, kind of like, you know, the middle of the United States. Um, so like maybe like the mid Atlantic region, um, but if you go too far south, well, now you're getting towards the pole. Um, you know, Argentina is a very large country north-south. Um, and then their growing season is the opposite of us. So that's the great thing about, you know, being in the satellite industry is that you can work with clients from around the world. And you're not just um, tied to uh, North America. Because if you were and you were only in the ag industry, then you would be uh, looking for work six months out of the year. So we so have a we have a customer right now looking for tasking that's going to run from November to April in Argentina because that's their growing season. You don't grow stuff up here then though. So, 
So do they monopolize a satellite for that whole entire period of time? And, or do they just like look for repeated data deliveries every time the satellite passes over their area, that kind of thing, or how does that work? It depends on if they want, um, if they want reoccurring tasking, then yeah, that's going to occupy that satellite for that period of time, um, depending on what else the satellite's going in, like has on its, on its plate. But that company usually owns more than one satellite, so it's not like a deal breaker. Plus, if you have a reoccurring tasking, that's a pretty high price, so it's going to be worth the, the you know, uh, investment to send the satellite over and exclusively work for that particular client until it's done. Um, whereas the these constellation satellites that basically just provide imagery to anybody and anybody who want everybody and anybody who wants it, you can get that imagery whenever you know just by you know you have to pay a subscription fee and get access to the data, but it's there available. There is no need to task, but that usually comes at a lower resolution. So more for ag, more for monitoring stuff like that. So so is the company have like any strategic relationships built? Uh, with Terra server with any kind of like FEMA related activity or that kind of thing? Or is it more like when an emergency happens, then the federal government or who one of the local governments will call you and ask you for the data? Like, I always wondered that. Yeah. At this moment, um, we don't work directly with any sort of government agency that I'm aware of. Um, right now, uh, I believe some of the satellite companies that we use as vendors, um, they work directly with government. So we're more of a, uh, like a large enterprise business or maybe just some rich guy that wants a piece of, you know, an aerial image of his farm or his land or his, his airport or something um, that just wants to hang on the wall. You know, Terra servers for sort of the small to medium sized business. Um, we do have, you know, the requests from like the enterprise size businesses for the tasking portion. Um, but overall, I think, you know, if we have an insurance company that's coming to us that wants to see like pre and post hurricane damage, they're not going to go to NOAA. They're going to go to us because we're going to have the high resolution stuff that's shot like right before the storm and right after the storm. Right. That's really interesting. So you have a bunch of different um, options for them to acquire, um, you know, based on the different types of satellites you have and you're kind of serve as that funnel point then. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. That's yep. really cool. Yeah. yeah very good. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, growing and evolving and we'll see where it goes from here. So, but it's, cool. it's cool. It, it keeps me engaged. I, I mean, I originally got into satellite imagery and remote sensing. That's what got me into GIS. So this has kind of been my, my thing that I've always really wanted to do and been into. Um, but let me tell you, there's a lot to learn about satellites and um, you know, what, what the imagery is capable of, what it's used for. Um, you know, what the best use cases are for it. I mean, I've only been here for a little under two months and I mean, there's still a lot to learn. So, yeah, I'd love to see like the matrix of satellites and their capabilities, you know, like just like I would work on an Excel sheet of that so that I know when somebody asks me what I can tell them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's really fascinating to know like who's put what up there and yep. what sensors are on which which because you know i mean you got all kinds of stuff like you have like radio i'm not right was it radio is it radio what's the one um that can see through clouds um well we have the, the right up like if you have like sirius satellite radio or uh sirius xm satellite radio or like direct tv those are in geostationary orbits so essentially like 
SiriusXM is only available in, in North America. So that satellite essentially is stationed in orbit over North America and moves with the Earth. That's why it's always available. So well, like, I, just, I meant like, you know, the, the type of sensor that broadcasts um, is of a particular type of sensor. So like a ra- I can't remember, it's advanced radiometer or whatever it is that does um, the AVHRR um, data for like sea surface temperature and those like that, that has one set of sensors. And then you have um, just the regular typical multiband with IR and then, but there's all kinds of different types of these, you know, data acquisition methods that people have tried out in the past or, yeah. you know, or straight photos, you know. We work mainly with like the multi-spectral or the, you know, the, the multi-band type, type of guys that have those capabilities on them. That way, if you want to run IR on it, like near infrared and look at like plant vegetation health and stuff like that, you can do it. Um, but there is one satellite that we um, have access to through a partnership that we're um, in the process of finalizing that does a, um, it's a one meter uh, video sensor that will shoot 60 second intervals. So basically every, every 60 seconds, you can see a live image of like what's going on on the earth's surface. Pretty cool. So it's not like super high res. Cause like I said, it's one meter, but their example was like a boat sailing across like a big lake. You could see the wake and the boat moving like across the screen. Uh, and, and like a time lapse is pretty neat. That sort of gets down to that. Um, what's the uh, what's that movie that we talked about? Gene Hackman and what's his name? Yeah, Enemy Wilson. of the State. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sort of getting to that level where people could acquire that type of data. But you can I, tell though how much BS was in that movie because that movie came out in the mid nineties. <laughs> so I mean, unless the government had it or the military had it back then, we just didn't know about it. But like, I mean. That's not very yeah. common to see that, uh, even in this day and age. Yeah, and the, the amount of retasking. Yeah, like retasking and the speed at which they retask that stuff to chase them down was sort of like, I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> not, again, not possible. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. So. Um, yeah, that's great. It really sounds like a neat, like, every day is a little different kind of experience. Yeah, it's it's an interesting arm of the company because, like I said, you know, I hand out my business card and it says Precision Hawk, and people say, "Oh, the drone company." I'm just like, "Yeah, that's what we do, but that's not all we do." And you know, I have to keep keep stressing that. And some, I'm just, like, again, I'm like, I'm kind of on an island, but it's a really cool island for me to be on, and I'm glad I'm doing it. I mean, I like drones. Drones are cool. Drones are fun to fly and and whatnot. And like the space we're in is very attractive, but I really do. I think the satellite image, you know, industry is is just a nice kind of like special thing on its own as well. And ultimately I think the, the overall goal uh, with precision Hawk acquiring terror server was to be able to offer a product that has a combined, um, you know, offering like a, like with satellite imagery and drones. And one of the tasks that I've been given is to sort of figure out how to use satellite imagery uh, with, with people that are used to buying stuff for drones. And in the ag industry, it's easy. But with these other industries that we, we specialize in, um, you know, we've, ag is one of five industries that we specialize in. The other four, it's a little bit difficult to figure out, you know, why you might want to use satellite imagery over a drone. But there's, most of the time, there's a use case. I think that uh, when uh, it comes down to it, like you say, there's the, the larger scale, I mean, the, was it the smaller scale mapping, but the larger territorial projects definitely warrant that you know more of a satellite type of footprint 
but like when you get down to those really tiny you know areas and really timely data the drone definitely plays in and it really is neat where you as a company can recommend either or and address both needs of the customer where you can say well yeah you know we might want to use a satellite here but you know yep. for this portion of your project you might want to have us fly that or you might want to let us process drone data for you that you acquire from some other surface right and that's, some other that's, platform. yeah and that's why it's good that i sit on the sales side with the sales floor because these guys hear me doing my thing and I talk about satellites and then they know to think about it when they're talking to their, their customers that are calling about drones that they can say, well, you know, this may actually be better if you did it with a satellite because a lot of times if the area is very, very large, it makes sense to use a satellite over a drone because it's actually more cost effective. Because flying a drone yep. is only good for, you know, a smaller area, better resolution, maybe some better, you know, information you're going to get off of your collection but in the end um if it's a large area satellites are usually the way to go yeah it really is a, a neat a neat offering yep mm -hmm. cool well that was really good conversation it's nice to catch up see what's going on so we'll yeah. be able to increase the podcast uh frequency it looks like yeah nice. yeah this should be a good a good alternate at least um and we still are going to have some guests on the show i know we've got um a company coming up that is interested on being on so they'll probably be our next episode yeah and asset um, management related stuff yep yep so that should be cool um yeah we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep rolling um hopefully we can set up some sort of uh you know social with the group coming up in the future yeah, that'd be um, nice We've had some requests to put them back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. All right. Well, very good. Until next time. All right. See you, man. See ya. The theme music for this podcast was performed by John McKenzie Baxter. You can find more of his music on YouTube by searching Kenzie Baxter. That's K-E-N-Z-I-E space B-A-X-T-E-R. Be sure to follow the Capital Mapping crew on Twitter at 540CMC. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. To contact the show, please email us at capitalmappingcrew at gmail.com. That's capital with an O. Yeah, we're working through a podcast right now. How you doing? Good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, just hook up with me. Look, this is what you're missing. Ooh. <laughs> it's open. Oh, nice. <laughs> is there a dirty plate there too? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That was classic. We can trim that out. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs>